no matter what we believe, we're all stuck in, in this relationship with this ego part of us, which is actually blocking a relationship to God, a relationship to, to the sacred, to the, to the universe, to spirit. And so once we step out of, of if it's fear-based perspective, then we can have a much more fulfilling and compatible you know, relationship with God that, that is not filtered by the limitations of the ego mind. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15 verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. The Ego The id, personality, psychology, personal transformation. When I first talked to Christian de la Huerta, I wondered if his secular message would fit with the mission of this podcast. He told me our language might be different, but that he believed in the authentic message of Christ. After our interview, I realized that many of us can have a different way of talking about what gets in the way of our ability to get closer to God. I think you might find his ideas of the power of the soul stimulating and relevant. And I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. Here's Christian. Christian, hi. Thanks so much for being here today. How are you? Thanks so much of it. I'm doing really well and I'm really happy and honored to be on your your show, on your podcast. So thank you for having me. Oh, yes. We're happy and honored to have you. Uh, Christian, you are an author, and we're going to get into the book in a minute, but you're also a coach and a speaker, and you were raised Christian. You were raised Catholic, like myself. We just had a conversation about that. And I'm curious to talk today about the work that you're doing, because the work that you're doing now, I think at first glance, people might think that it would appeal to a very broad group not specifically Christians, but I think we're going to talk today about how your work can help and can appeal to Christians as well. So that's what I want to get into today. If you're watching video now, uh, my listeners can't see this, but we can see your book uh, on camera, Awakening the Soul of Power. And we're going to talk about that. But first, let's get to know you a little bit better. So Christian De La Huerta, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born in Cuba. Uh, So I lived under a communist regime for the first 10 years of my life. Uh, So I'd like to say that I'm an unlikely person to be speaking about personal empowerment because, as you can imagine, um, the power structure in the communist regime is very hierarchical and and the state pretty much owns and tells everybody what to do. Um, I was also raised very Catholic. You know, I'm one of nine kids. Um, So my parents were very observant. Um, and that, and yet, that's another very higher hierarchical um, power over structure. Um, and so, when I came to the states, I mean, there are many, so many blessings that I'm that I'm grateful for having lived in in a communist regime. Um, 
you know, for example, so many things that we take for granted here, um, like TV or, or chewing gum. Um, we had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So I grew up reading and developed a lifelong love affair with books, for which I'm so grateful now. Um, and also, like, chewing gum. I mean, not, I mean, not to mention the things we take for granted in terms of freedoms and liberties and being able to choose what we're going to study in college, if we choose to go to college, what to do with our lives. Um, little thing like chewing gum, you know, it's like, what, what is it? It doesn't mean anything to us here. Um, we put it in our mouth, spit it without even thinking about it. When we were kids, and we had it better than most because my parents had friends who worked in foreign embassies. So once in a while, we'd get a pack of chiclets. You know, remember the, the little chiclets? And we'd pass them around and split them between all the kids and chew it all day. At the end of the day, we'd get a glass of water and put a little bit, you know, like put this much water, put some toothpaste and stick our gum in it and stir it up and so that it would be minty the next day and then hide it so my mom wouldn't throw it out. <laughs> so sometimes we could keep that going for, you know, two, three weeks until she eventually found it and threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you're you're so right about blessings and you know what one person would consider a blessing could be very very different from another. And I think as Christians we we have to recognize the just the little the little parts of our lives that we can we can see the blessings in and of course on this show we always talk about choosing joy. You know, seeking that joy and understanding that God is everywhere and you can you can seek him everywhere and you can choose that joy. So I appreciate you understanding what those blessings were. And now today, if you were to say what your blessings are today, they're probably very different than the ones that you understood when you were a child, but you probably still, you know, accept them just as, as much. Probably more, Um, you know, things that at a younger age, I didn't, I didn't know. And, And most of us, you know, end up because we don't understand how the mind works um, and, and to answer, answer your, your previous question, yeah, the, the teachings from this book and, and my coaching programs are for anybody okay, because they're psycho-spiritual. Um, and so I, they, I don't belong to any one tradition these days. I honor them all. Um, and so we haven't been taught how the mind works and, and the self-made prison that, that the mind keeps us in, You're stuck in, in fear and doubt and limitation. And so when, when we understand that, um, and a great metaphor, here's a great metaphor. We don't have time to get, really get into what the ego mind is here. You know, when I teach it in retreats, it's a two-hour conversation or teaching session. But here's a real simple way to, to, to look at it. If you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. We've allowed this tiny, 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 tiny part of who we are to think that it is all who we are and to run the show and to make really significant, important, consequential choices about our lives, about our relationships from its very small and always fear-based perspective. So once we understand that and we we begin to learn to disidentify with a baseball and begin to re-identify with a stadium, which is our own unique, you know, sacred real estate. It's, it's where we connect with the sacred, by whatever name uh, you call that. Um, once we do that, we're stepping into this realm of, of miracles and, and magic, for lack of other words, you know, where, where the kind of blessings that, that you're talking about is that they're commonplace. 
Um, it's almost like we're, we're living in a different realm with different laws of physics. Um, and so, so yeah, my, my perspective on, on, on these blessings is, is hugely um, expanded from earlier stages in my life. If you're listening to the show, you're already a member of the Positively Joy family. But now you can actually join our new membership levels and support the show while getting bonus content and free merch. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to learn more. In case there's someone listening and they're thinking, okay, this is getting way too secular. Let me bring it back to scripture because it says in the Bible hundreds of times, be not afraid, do not fear. All of that. God consistently tells us not to fear. And so the ego, which you say is fear-based, is yes. certainly certainly against what he's teaching us. So um, so being aware of that and understanding how that can maybe take us down a path we don't want to go down, I think, I think is very relevant here and very powerful. Yes, com- completely relevant. You know, because we we all of us, no matter what we believe, we're all stuck. In, in this relationship with this ego part of us, which is actually blocking a relationship to God, a relationship to, to the sacred, to the, to the universe, to spirit. And so once we step out of, of if it's fear-based perspective, then we can have a much more fulfilling and compatible you know, relationship with God that, that is not filtered by the limitations of the ego mind. Which is also, by the way, the reason that we, we get into trouble with, in our personal relationships, uh, the reason for divorce, and the reason for international uh, conflicts. Mm. So do you think that a lot of what you're talking about now is behind anxiety, behind depression, behind, you just said divorce, behind perhaps addiction, other things? Would you say that's true? Without a doubt. With, without a doubt. I think you just, you just it's like, amen, sister. Uh, you just you just preach truth there, um, and, and you know especially more recently. I think last year, or the year before, they they did a study, and what they discovered, what they landed on, is at the core of of addictions is a longing for connection, and and it is this part of us, this ego mind, that that is what keeps us feeling separate and alone. Um, it's the reason that we have you know abandonment issues. Um, that we feel disconnected from from each other and from ourselves and from God and from creation. Mm. Um, I was going to wait to ask this question, but let me go ahead and ask it now because you just talked about feeling abandoned. So we just came, I don't even want to say that we came out of a pandemic. We are still in a pandemic, very much so. Yes. Um, Where people probably felt isolated and maybe in some cases felt abandoned, especially if you happened to be sick and had to go to the hospital or if you're in a nursing home and people can't see you, or even if you live in another state and you couldn't travel to see your family. Um, so how does the work that you're doing or, or how did it, cause you've been doing it through this pandemic. Um, how did your work or help us to handle this, these very strange times that we're in right now? Yeah, great question. That um, you know, for me, part of what I teach and live, um, because I live, I walk my talk. Um, so everything that I teach, I I practice. Um, and so you know, I'm I'm based in South Florida these days. So using the metaphor of a storm is appropriate because you know we get hurricanes for six months out of the year, and you know we all know that there's the, the eye of the storm, which which is what 
I teach that we can be, right? So we can be, we can stand centered and allow all the drama of our lives, all, all everybody else's beliefs and expectations and then and judgments of, of what we what they think we should be doing with our lives or with the relationship or whatever, we can allow all, everybody else's fear like to kind of float around us and we don't have to buy into it. Like mm-hmm. we can remain centered in our relationship with God, in our relationship with with that which is the highest and the deepest um, relationship of, we can stay in that place of trust and knowing that we're taken care of. So, so for me, it's like, you know, like if I had any doubt, like this last year removed that, the, that I was so established in trust, like I had, you know, I, I, my income up until January of this year comes from retreats and workshops. And, and I use, you know, breathing techniques as a way to, to relieve stress and, and to heal past trauma. And, you know, because we breathe, you know, in, in a group, it's like, that's the last thing we do. I haven't had any events in over a year. Um, and not once Yvette, did I did I slip into fear, into doubt, or how am I going to pay the bills? How am I, how am I going to cover my rent? It's like, I, I just know, you know, I'm so deeply connected with my mission, uh, with my sacred work, uh, with my relationship with God that I just knew. It's like I didn't doubt once uh, th- that I was going to, that I was not going to be okay. It's like I knew I was going to be okay. Wow. And, uh, and, and were you able to, to bring some of this on over to Zoom? Because, it, you know, the whole, the whole country just trans transformed over to Zoom. Were you able to, yes. to pick that? Okay. And we're going to, and so we'll talk about some of yeah. that a little bit later, how people can maybe get involved in that. But, um, but let's talk about the book. So, um, you know, I see that you had a uh, a great uh, review from music icon Gloria Stefan, and I love her. And if you know, I, I'm going to say I'm of a certain age, so I, <laughs> yeah. But I think young, but I think even younger people probably know who she is. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna to recite her quote for a second and brag on you for a little bit. It is a rare occurrence indeed when a book not only delivers on its message, but also gives you practical, straightforward, and incredibly wise ways in which to apply the teachings put forth in Awakening the Soul of Power. I found it to be an introspective work that is a balm for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions, and truly look forward to the rest of Christians de la Huerta's amazing Calling All Heroes series. So, um, you know, very, very powerful words from, you know, from Gloria Stefan. So let's talk about the book. What can we expect? We're going to crack open that book. What What are we going to learn? Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm still blown away and humbled that, that she had that to say about the book. And and it was, it took me three years, right? I, I courted her for three years just to be able to get the book in her hands. So it's also a testament in, in persistence. Right for so for all your 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 audience, um, like when we really believe in something, it's like go for it. Don't don't give up, even if it seems impossible or or unlikely. So, the book, you know, it's it's you know most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power. We want it, but we're afraid of it. And I think at the core of that fear is that we think that we might abuse it. And and no wonder. All we have to do is turn on the the news or, or even glance through the headlines on any given day and witness at least one abuse of power. Um, 
And then what good-hearted person wants to abuse power, right? On top of that, we've been conditioned to think that power is a bad thing, it's a negative thing, you know, with quotes like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm. What they didn't tell us is that that quote was speaking specifically about political power, not about interpersonal, um, you know, power that we live, live out in our relationships. Add to the mix the fact that we have been conditioned to, to be afraid of the emotions. We've, we've labeled the emotions weakness. We hate conflict. We run away, run away from confrontation. You put all that together, and what happens? We, we end up giving our power away. Right? So we end up saying yes when inside it's really a no. It's really not okay with us. But in order to avoid conflict or maintain a, a semblance of peace for out of fear, rejection, and all the other reasons that we stuff ourselves and that we stifle our truth and our beliefs and our convictions and our desires and you know, our boundaries of what works for us and what doesn't work for us. We, we give that power away and, and settle. Like we end up settling for an illusion of security and, and a false sense of acceptance and morsels of pseudo love because it's not authentic love if it's conditional. Um, so it's not a very productive or, or effective strategy in the long run. It doesn't lead us to what we want, which is to have happy, fulfilling lives that are filled with meaning and purpose and relationships that work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been reading the Gospels uh, recently, and um, certainly Jesus equipped, you know, there's the expression, equip the saints. Jesus equipped his disciples and particularly his um, apostles to lead, to go out and do great things. And if we are in our own little shells thinking, I can't do that. I mean, I got to tell you, I've talked about imposter syndrome on this show before. That's like, you know feeling that God has called me to do the podcast and do some other things. And I'm thinking, oh, I was raised Catholic and I can't quote the Bible like everybody else and all that. So, you know, yeah. for, for me, it's the enemy whispering my ear not to do these things. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you referring to that as the ego, but, yeah. um, but yeah, exactly. we know, but we know that, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus is, he equipped the saints to go out and spread the gospel and the good news and to be leaders. We can't have that taken away from us. Exactly, right? And, and so that, that power, that, that love is God-given, right? And it's inside of us. And that call of the soul is inside each and every one of us. Nobody can give that to us. Nobody can take it away. And we've also been conditioned, right? We, we've misunderstood. Like, the, like, we think that to be all of who we are, like to express ourselves fully in our, in our power, in our magnificence, we think that that's arrogant. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course it depends on, on what's driving and what the come from is. But the way that I see it is like when we stifle ourselves, when we hide um, our gifts um, and and there's a parable about that too, you know, what what did you do with the gifts that were given to you? Um, um, And I can't know, like, like if, Former Catholic like you, I do, I don't know the the Bibles and the verses and and the numbers, <laughs> but I remember the stories and which were very powerful. Um, some of them. So so you know, to me, the arrogance is stuffing our magnificence. It's like how dare we act smaller than we are, or less powerful, or less loving for whatever reason? Because we because it's usually fear, right? So so that's what I mean. That that. 
about being fear-driven, right? When, when we give ourselves permission to be all of who we are in honor of God, in honor of the gifts that, that we were given, that we came in with, uh, to make a difference in this world, to inspire other people, to help other people heal um, and transform um, and have lives that are that are that are that work better for them, um, and that are a celebration um, of God and the sacred. Then you know, how dare we not do that? How dare um, we not? How dare we hide that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you know, we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and and if we step back from that. I love I love what you said. How dare how dare we deny that yes. we are the creatures, the wonderful creatures that He made us? So yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have been uh, a personal transformation coach and breath work. You talked about breathing a little bit earlier. Practitioners for thirty years, and I'm I'm sure you've seen you've seen some great. You know, I I don't want to say the word case studies, but examples of how people allow themselves to be, as you said, driven by fear, but how this work can, I think, um, bring them out of that or, or bring them closer to, you know, getting to the soul of, of their power. Um, are there any examples, you know, that really, really um, always stay with you? Um, and not, yeah, obviously not mentioning names or anything, but any examples of how people have transformed? Oh my God, there's so many. And I tell a bunch of stories in the book. Um, I mean, it's been, I've been doing this for 30 years. So I have countless examples. Uh, so for example, this woman uh, in her 50s um, came to me with, you know, like forgotten, like she has suppressed a history of sexual abuse. Mm. And, and, and you know the number that that does on somebody. Um, you know, and all the all the protective mechanisms and layers and layers of protection that we develop against that. Uh, so she had never had a relationship, of course not. She had she was she didn't trust men. Um, and so, what happens when we have something like that going on with us, whether it's a self esteem issue or or some past trauma or some belief about relationships? You know that if if, if we believe that relationships end up in divorce and that we're going to get left or abandoned or cheated on who in the right mind is want to get into a relationship but we have that longing to be with somebody um, and to give ourselves with some, to somebody and and to share our life with somebody so it's it's sort of like a push pull we, we you know we kind of wait come come over here but with with one hand with the other one's like eh, not too close not too close and we end up sabotaging our relationships by even before the get-go, by attracting people who are not a match, people who are not available, people who are with somebody else, or they live on, you know, the other side of the country, or, or they're just not there, right? So, subcon- of course, this is all subconscious, So, and it's not effective because we end up ensuring, assuring the very same thing that we're trying to avoid, which is being left alone. Um, so, this woman, you know, through probably a couple of years of work with me, but I can't remember if it was three, four retreats that she came to and recovered the memories, like remembered the, the trauma, healed it. Um, and two days after her last retreat, where she had finally gotten to that point of healing and clearing that past trauma, she was having lunch with a friend and, and the friend said, um, hey, well, I don't know why I didn't think, why I didn't think of this before. But I have this friend, I think, I think you guys might hit it off. Um, 
long story short, I married them in a very private ceremony uh, last summer, right? Rel like a relationship of her life, of her dreams, when she'd never really had one. Uh, so it's, it's that's just one example of, of the power when we're, when we're willing to look inside and, and to look at the, the ways in which we are blocking love um, from our lives, mm. the, the miracles that can happen. And you have a personal example of um, being in high school. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. Uh, a, per a personal transformation story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really shy. I was painfully shy. And having been brought up my first 10 years in a communist country, you know, you were kind of trained not to, you were kind of trained to hide, right? Because my, my parents were involved in, in counter-revolutionary activities. Um, so we were kind of trained not to, not to show up too much. So thankfully, I had a good relationship with, with books. So when I came over to the States without speaking a word of English, um, I picked it up pretty fast because the the reading had you know had, had learned how to how to learn and but I was so painfully shy I was okay one on one of that but if you introduced a third human clammed up like like just clammed up completely to the degree that you know I was I was a good student right that was my 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 primary relationship was I knew how to study I knew how to learn and so I had a 4.0 in, in, in high school, except for 1B, which looking back on it, I didn't do this intentionally or consciously, but looking back on it, I know that I sabotaged my grade point average so that I wouldn't have to give the valedictorian speech. There is just no way. There wow. is no way that at that point in my life, I would have been ready. I would have been able to stand up in a room with and, and, and give a speech in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and, and it's kind of sad and it's kind of lame that I did that. And it's also a testament to the, to the power of, of and the transformational power of these teachings because these days, you know, I'm a public speaker. I speak all over the world. I'm a TEDx speaker. Um, it's not what I do primarily, but, but I, I have been paid to speak professionally to give a, a keynote speech uh, here and there. And I used to do that in, in the college circuit for, for a few for several years. So I can say that I'm a professional speaker. So, so the, the point of it is that no matter what happened in our past, no matter the, the, the traumas, no matter the, the, the misunderstandings that we took on when we were kids, you know, all, all the stuff that we weren't good enough, that we're not lovable, that there was something wrong with us. None of it is true, right? These are all just misunderstandings, stuff that we misheard or stuff that was told to us in a moment of reactivity and, and just our parents you know, were out of control in a moment and feeling overwhelmed and they said something and we took it on as truth. We took it on like there, like there was something wrong with us. We were less than whole and less than lovable and didn't deserve fill in the blank. Um, and But the very premise of it is not true. Like, of course we're worthy. Of course we're, we deserve to be loved. Of course we deserve to, to have the life um, filled with, uh, you know, relationships that work and, and filled with meaning and, and purpose. Of course. It's, wow. it's our sacred birthright. Mm -hmm. Well, and just going back to some of the parables that you mentioned, um, you know, the talents where the one man buried the talents because he didn't know what to do with them. He didn't know how to invest them and he didn't want to anger the, yeah. the boss who gave him. And then he ended up getting in trouble for that anyway, because he did not 
he did not try. He he just he right. just buried. And then also, you know, don't hide your light under a bushel. And that's um, the other one. That's, that's that one. That one I do quote all the time. Yeah, I mean, and and again, I talked about you know being fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God has created us, and for us, for us not to live out as 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 much as humanly possible live out everything that he has given to us. And I think that we have to pray and we have to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what do you want me to do with these gifts? We can be transformed. And if, so obviously I say, read the Bible, especially for, you know, people who, who were either not raised in the church or who was raised, who might've been raised in a religion that, that didn't really encourage you to read the Bible between church services. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, to right. to go to go there first to read the bible but then i think that books like yours that allow us to perhaps look at it in a you know a, psycholo- a psychological aspect as well um is i think really can be really helpful for us to understand it in that way too a lot of people a lot of people read the bible and they don't fully understand what it's trying to tell them Right. And I think it takes I think it takes Bible scholars to help us understand that word. And I think that it takes other authors like yourself who who want to focus on personal transformation to also help us understand that we we have a lot that we can do, you know, I'm not going to say for ourselves because I believe that he he gives us everything, but certainly it's up to us to choose that. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I say, read, read the book. You may not agree with all of it, and that's okay. Take from it what's going to serve you. Take from it what's going to help you free yourself from fear and limitation. Take from it whatever's going to help you step into your power and have a better life. And, and whatever you whatever doesn't ring true to you, then leave that behind. Um, and, you know, I want to go back to for a moment to, um, you know, if, if, like, if, like we all know, like if anybody listening here, if we ask the question, if you could, if you could distill all of Jesus's message into one word, what would it be? Are you asking me? Yeah, I would say love. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, so, how dare we think that we're not worthy of that? Yeah. How dare we? And and to think that, you know, like even even if we think about it, like in the abstract, like wouldn't we say? that every human being just by virtue of being human are deserving of love and respect and a life that works um, and meaning and purpose and, and to feel safe. So what makes us so special that we are the only ones in seven and a half billion humans who are not worthy of love and worthiness. It's like, no, it's just a misunderstanding. It's not real. Uh, yeah. I love that. I love that. that is, yeah, that's our birthright. That is our birthright. So what are we going to do with it? We're going to use it. <laughs> we better, right? We better use it. It's kind of all hands on deck time. I think so. I as I said, we're we're still in this. We're still in this pandemic and um we need we need all the all the help we can get. So you're right, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Um so um Awakening the Soul of Power. It's on Amazon. I'm sure you can get in lots of different booksellers. Uh, you also were doing, um, you know, workshops. Uh, is are people still available or able to to get into workshops with you via Zoom, or how can they how can they find your work? 
Yeah, I've just started doing virtual um, coaching programs, like group coaching programs. I have, you know, I go back to doing retreats whenever we can, whenever it's safe to do so. Uh, but but I've I've really come to appreciate this ability to do it on Zoom, and and because a you know it it's very accessible. You can be anywhere in the world and and do it, so you don't have to get in a plane and come to wherever I am to do a retreat with me. That's true. So, You're in Florida. I'm in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and here's something else that I've realized that what happens in some cases, like they'll come to one of my weekend retreats and they'll have this amazing peak experience. They'll see themselves in ways that, that they've never seen before. They pop out of, you know, momentarily from that limit, limited self-made prison. And if they don't have a support system, right, if they don't have a spiritual group, a spiritual family, if they don't have a coach um, or you know, just friends that they can bounce ideas off of if they don't have a spiritual practice uh, to support them once they go back into life. Um, the day-to-day, you know, the demands of life starts pulling them down. And, you know, then the, the, the voices of fear and self-doubt start pulling them down again, and then they have to come to another retreat. Um, what I'm loving about this concept of doing it virtually over and spreading it out over a year is that I get to deliver the teachings piecemeal, like little bite-sized pieces, but here's the difference, right? With interactivity. So every week the people get a little bit of content that they read and then they have homework. And, and none of it intense. You know, I know we're all busy and have a bunch of demands on us. So stuff that you can do in 10, 15, 20 minutes, but it's designed and it might be just a questionnaire. So designed to apply the teachings to ourselves, to our lives, so that we integrate them and apply them to our lives. And so they don't just say like, oh, wow, what a great book I read, right? So that our lives actually begin to change. Um, and, and also the, the other benefit is that we, I, I get to put in a system of support and accountability. So every two weeks, we have a coaching call on Zoom with me, where people can you know share their, their, their wins, their challenges, ask questions, um, and and a beautiful sense of community um, develops, a supporting community, like everybody rooting for everybody else. That's great. So now where can we find you online and on social media and your website? Yeah, my, my website is soulful, soulfulpower.com. S-O-U-L-F-U-L, power, P-O-W-E-R.com. And from there, they can get to my social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and, uh, LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. Christian, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really like your concepts and I appreciate I appreciate how, how you're able to explain a lot of what I think we may feel innately and, and not be able to put into words. Yes. And so I appreciate that. And I think that there's a lot we can take away from the book. So thank you so much. Thank you so much and, and much love and many blessings of that. Thank you for doing the work that you do and impacting as many lives as you do. It's uh, deeply necessary and, and appreciated. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.